Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen, joined as always by my younger, less intelligent brother, Nick. I actually just saw that while you were reading it. I'm okay with it. All right, good. And uh, we are currently in what feels like the longest all-star break ever. I haven't watched a Brooklyn Nets game in like five or six days, and I don't know what to do with myself, Nick. Uh, You can just like eat pizza and drink beers like you usually do. Yeah, when I usually do that, I'm watching the Nets game, so it, it doesn't have the same meaning. Put on Children's Hospital. It's your favorite show. Great show. Adult Swim. Oh, love Children's Hospital. Um, all right, Nick, we are joined by a very special guest tonight. Actually, two very special guests, but let's start with one. Chris Mulholland. He is a reporter, writer for Nets Daily, co-host of the Wingspan podcast. Chris, welcome to the show, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited. Let's do it. Do you like how I teased that second guest? I did. I like that. All right. So someone else will be joining the show momentarily. I'm not going to say who he is, but let's just say that he is affiliated with Chris. Is that, is that fair to say? Fair to say. Kerry Kittles. Close. Very close. close. Um, All right. Let's get to the big news. The Brooklyn Nets have officially added 31 year old Blake Griffin to the roster. He reached a buyout agreement with the Pistons earlier in the week and essentially came running to the Brooklyn Nets. Griffin has averaged 12.3 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and almost four assists per game. He's shooting 37% from the field and 32% from three-point line in 20 games for the Pistons this year. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on this signing by Sean Marks? I think it's a positive because the thing at the end of the day is you get you get Blake Griffin at a veteran minimum, and on top of that, you avoid him going to another contender, right? So, at, at the, mostly at how I would sum it up, it's a big body. Who, who can play make, you know, that it's one of those. So it's another piece for Nash to experiment in the front court. And on top of that, like the thing was too, what, what the biggest takeaway for me was after the Harden trade, a lot of our depth was traded away. So this does add a little body to that, but is it, you can make the argument, is this the hole, that hole, that infamous hole that the Nets keep trying to fill at the five and, you know, Blake Griffin today said on the bleach report, he sees himself as a four man. Woj said that he's going to be a five man off the bench We'll see how it comes along, but at the at the end of the day, you know how I how I view this Blake Griffin, right? It's all right. He's he hasn't played a lot recently. He is he's shown to be a shell of his former self, and you know with with the Nets, you know we've seen it over the this whole year that a lot of these teams, the whole Nets team, along with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant leading the pack, they bring the best out of players. And when you look at Blake Griffin, he's he wants to prove himself. He's not just that guy that's just going to come in. Oh, okay. I'm, Ryan, the championship, I'm doing with my buddy, DeAndre Jordan. He's coming here to fill a role, fill that impact. That's how I usually view it. And I don't think it's too much of a, too much of a big deal, but overall I think it's positive. I mean, could it be that Griffin was just playing down because he was getting the, the life sucked out of him in Detroit? Like now he's getting a second chance on a championship contender. I mean, easy playoff like team already. Could this be a second win that he's been waiting for? I mean, I have high hopes. He's still Blake Griffin. He's still a five or six time all-star. He's still, you know, arguably one of the best forwards of the last 10 years. I don't know. Is, is it crazy to think that in Detroit coming off some injuries, he had slowed down and he needed to come to a better team to start playing a little bit closer to his former self. 
that's the James Harden theory, right? That's exactly what happened with James Harden in Houston. He was not playing well. All of a sudden, he comes to Brooklyn. He's an MVP candidate. Um, you've seen this with a lot of the acquisitions Brooklyn has made, whether it's Bruce Brown, whether it's Landry Shamit. These guys have something to prove playing with the likes of Kevin Durant, playing with the likes of Kyrie Irving. They don't want to just be lost in the shuffle. So, Nick, I, I sort of agree with you on, on, on that point. I think Griffin has a lot to prove. And there are a lot of people that are down on this. They don't think that his knees are there anymore. Um, Chris, you were talking about him meeting that knee, that glaring hole in the front court. I don't know if he meets it defensively. What's funny is he, he adds another aspect from the offensive side of things, but how much help did the Nets need offensively before they made this deal? That's the point, right? So Blake Griffin's never been known as a rim protector, nor for his defensive play. It's always been offensive highlights and offensive play, right? And the thing that's most worthy that a lot of people aren't talking about is Jeremy Grant sucked up a big piece of his role in Detroit. So that's another reason. Plus, you guys got to also remember, he wanted to stay a Clipper for a very long time. He kind of just got dealt there. And when you look at Detroit, listen, I have all love for Detroit. Never been there. But I can tell you right now, I don't think a lot of players really want to go there. And you got to think of Blake, right? Detroit was on a rebuilding mode. They're rebuilding. You add all those pieces together, it's obvious Blake wanted out. I always saw him being a buyout target from even prior to this, this season starting. And like like I said, you know, it's it's one of those relationships that with Blake within Brooklyn, it kind of just works out in various things, right? The Nets, you could say, hey, did the Nets need Blake? No, but did Blake need the Nets? It's a it's one of those scenarios, right? And plus you guys gotta also remember Blake, he's paying he's playing for a next year's contract too. So you gotta imagine that he's gonna do his thing. Getting back to the dodging thing, you know, like the thing is, you've seen what James Harden just overall is, you just saw him, okay, in Houston. He wasn't playing in that, had in that passion, right? Then in Brooklyn, you can make the weight argument too. You know, the guy lost, what, 30 pounds on a plane ride, whatever the case was. But like overall with Blake, like it's just one of those things that it's going to be interesting once he plays, like how we, me and, we were talking about this earlier with Blake, you know, Nash is very conservative about throwing guys out there that haven't played in a while. We saw it with Shumper, we saw it with Roberson, list goes on Vonley and all those guys. So it's going to be interesting to see if Blake does play Thursday, but I don't think a role will be necessarily too much of a debate. I think that Blake, he's, he's going to take that James Harden approach saying, Hey, I know how old I am and I know what I want. So I think he's going to do that approach, but overall, I don't think this hurts. I think it's, and plus, the Nets are still flexible. They still got a lot of stuff to offer people. And, you know, the buyout market, it's going to continue and see how it transforms later on in a later date and see who they pick up. You know, it's Sean Marks at the end of the day. You don't know what the guy's going to do. If Blake Griffin starts to see substantial minutes on this Nets team, that means less minutes for other players. Who are some guys playing time that you think will be affected by Blake Griffin? Well, Nick Clax immediately comes to mind, right? Because I don't think Blake's going to play too many minutes. I think he may play 12 to 15 a game, whatever the case is. And, like I said, it all depends on how he plays. You know, this guy has not, I saw today, he hasn't dunked in two years, I think it was, like in the game. But at the same time, you know, he's had injuries. He's had, you know, that rough stint in Brooklyn in Detroit where he wanted out and they did the Andre Drummond thing. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out. I think Jeff Green's minutes are safe because I think Jeff Green, he's a reliable veteran. He kind of brings already what he already, the Nets already have what Blake could bring in him. You know, he's a, he still has – he's, what, two years older than Blake, I think, or three years older. He showed that he still has hops. And at the end of the day, he's a veteran leader. He's been the Nets' voice of reason, quote-unquote, throughout this whole season. And you just go down the list. Like, DJ, yeah, I, do I see his – everyone saying, hey, does DJ immediately put out in the rotation now, especially if Drummond comes? I don't think that's the case because it was a package deal with Katie and Kyrie, and they know he's going to play. 
You got to think about relationships at the end of the day. Reggie Perry, you know, that's another key name to keep in mind. He just got back from the Long Island stint. And the thing is, he had a little tweet go up that lasted a minute. I caught it. It said, oh, no, with a face palm. I caught it. And he deleted it within two minutes. That is interesting. I didn't know that. So I, it was it happened around 6 p.m. today. So I, I looked at it and I was like, because I, I got Twitter notifications on for the players. So I saw it. You don't know, we don't know what happens with Perry. You know, Perry's always a long shot. Nash saw it before season as a great three-point shooter. I think he kind of fills a stretch for a role. You know, that's something that Blake wants to play, according to what he said on Bleacher Report. I think, you know, that that's how it really sums up. But I don't think it's necessarily going to be too much rotation swapping. It's going to be the same familiar faces. But I think Jeff Green's just going to be the closer for that five spot. Reggie Perry, man, be careful on Twitter. Oof, Chris is going to snipe you. Mm-hmm. Um, did you enjoy Harden, James Harden's back and forth with Greg Logan during his All-Star Game press conference after the game, where Logan basically said, I have it totally confirmed to me that Blake Griffin is signing with the Nets from a really good source. I just thought that was – and then Harden goes – Harden had to confer with a guy next to him, and then he says, you got me, Greg, you got me. Did you you catch that? Greg Greg can get anything out of anyone. Like, he's very good. Because the thing is, on top of it, you know, with players, they can't talk – and same thing with coaches. They can't talk about things until they're official. You know, that means passing through the league office and all that that stuff. It's business. But, you know – Harden, Harden, get, he got it out of Harden. You know, the props to Greg. He he, he really works for that one. And he got it. So I, I loved every single bit of it. I'm glad that you guys even got to see the video of it instead of us just talking about it. That adds more context to it. Oh, that, that was gold. And you love it when a player laughs like that because you know that he's not annoyed by the guy. He's just amused by him. And he's going to give him what he wants, which he did. Blake gave a very detailed answer on – how he's excited to play with Blake Griffin. Harden, Harden gave an answer. I'm sorry, you're right. Harden gave a, a very detailed answer on how he's excited to play with Blake Griffin. Correct. Um, Chris, you brought it up momentarily, but after the acquisition of Blake Griffin, do you think Sean Marks will con- try to continue to improve this team, or are they going to roll with this group of guys for the remainder of the season? There's definitely going to be people. No, I think I think Otto Porter Jr. immediately popped in my mind. I, that's one guy that you that everyone should really put some eyes on. Then I'm not just saying that because it's just a trend of, hey, Sean Marks always finds his man. You know, you guys got to also remember back in 2017, he offered him a four-year, I think it was $160 million contract. The Wizards matched it. And we've seen it down the line, Tyler Johnson. And just the names go on with past people that got their contract matched and Marks got them, right? So that's one of the guys I would keep in mind. Drummond, you know, he's always going to be that kind of lingering name in the Nets community and just throughout Nets Twitter and everything. You guys see it every day. And with Drummond, it's going to be interesting. Does With Blake now in Brooklyn, does that tell Drummond, hey, maybe I should go to L.A. and be on a championship contender where my role is a little more condensed, it's more kind of sought out, and I know what to expect? Or do I go to Brooklyn and join that big kind of group of five, whatever the case is? And if, obviously, if Drummond comes, he, he's got to start. It's going to be one of those things, you know. He, he fits that mold, and he, he'll be the filler at the five. But – you guys, the thing is, you don't know who's going to pop out in the buyout market, which is the glory of the whole thing, right? You don't know who, what players at last minute get unhappy or what teams just want to release them. And, you know, Sean Marks always has an eye. And same thing with the G League, too. He's always got an eye. Him and Matt Riccardi at Long Island GM, they work back and forth. That's why you look at guys like TLC, Spencer Dinwiddie. The list goes on of all these diamond in the rough players that they find. So, net scouting team and everything, they're, they're very good. And um, I, I certainly don't think they're done. 
I would love for the Nets to grab Otto Porter Jr. I think he'd be an excellent addition. He's kind of exactly what we need or what I guess Nets fans had hoped for in Andre Roberson. I wasn't a fan of the, the pickup, but I think Porter would be great. Um, I don't see Andre Drummond coming here. I, I just think the front court is now is now too crowded, especially with the emergence of Nick Claxton picking up Blake Griffin. I know DeAndre Jordan's not going to want to see that many less minutes right now. Uh, you know, his, his minutes are going to be scarce with Blake Griffin coming in. And, and Uncle Jeff, you can't forget about Jeff Green. So I just, I don't see Andre Drummond or Jeff. I mean, JaVale McGee would make more sense to me because when he was in LA, there were a ton of games where he did not play. And then there were games where he started and he played 10 to 15 minutes. So a guy like that makes more sense than a guy like Drummond who's going to want 15 to 20 minutes of ball game. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's where it comes down to. It's And the, the glory of the biomarker, too, is the players have any choice to go where they go as long as the team offers them the deal. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If the Lakers do get Andre Drummond, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not favoring the Nets to win. I'm telling you right now. If they, if they do get – the Lakers do get Andre Drummond and they have Anthony Davis healthy and LeBron, and, you know, he's loading up those minutes. You saw it during the All-Star games. Again, the rest in. And at the end of the day, everyone knows it's all about 16 wins in the playoffs. That's it. So – it's, it's going to be interesting how it comes along. All right. Let's get to our all-star game thoughts. There was an all-star game played this year, despite the players not wanting to play in it, despite COVID-19, everything. Team LeBron destroyed Team Durant. Giannis was the MVP with 35 points. He was 16 of 16 from the field. Steph Curry and Damian Lillard were both excellent. Steph had 28. Lillard had 32. They put on a show shooting half-court shots like they were layups. For Team Durant, of course, Kyrie and James Harden led the way, essentially. And Bradley Beal put in 26 as well. Uh, what did you think of the weekend? Were, were you pleased? Were you just bored out of your mind like I was for most of it? What do you think? It was a mixture, you know, because the thing at the end of the day is it gave the fans what they wanted to see. You know, it's one of those things. The NBA decided to hold the All-Star game. The HBCU collaboration as well. That's kind of my main takeaway. But overall, you know, just the All-Star game in general, you know, it gave the fans what they wanted. You know, we saw some three-point shots from the parking lots. We saw CP3 dunking. We saw Steph dunking. We saw Kyrie dunking. It just had a little mix of everything, a little sprinkle of everything. And then you just go on to what my major takeaway was, was the three-point contest. Steph showed his greatness. Obviously, we would all like to see Joe Harris in it, but Joe Harris literally told us months ago that, hey, good luck to all the participants. I'm not going to be there. So that that's the thing is. But like like I, we were talking about earlier, the the one thing I realized, like it really hit me in the head, was like they got to bring back rookies for sophomores. Like they got to bring that back. I'm not really – I like the rising stars and all, but at the same time with the talent that's in the league, it's going to be too hard to snub a lot of people out especially on the world side of things. And, you know, what What makes that? You know, what's the what's the qualifications? You know, and right. everything goes together. If they want to just add rookies and sophomores in their head, that would be great. But I think rookies and sophomores are very good because we saw what they did, let alone to guys' careers, right? You saw Kyrie Irving, the crossover on Brandon Knight. You look at just the highlights from those clips that really elevated players' stature throughout the whole league. So it's a benefit on both ends. So that's, that, that's mostly my takeaway. The dunk contest. We could all admit it was rough. It was rough. Respect to the guys for participating, three guys. And, you know, it's – Cassius Stanley got robbed. He got robbed, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had him, I had him picked from since like three days ago. I said, I don't care who else is in there. I don't care if Zion is. It's going to be Cassius Stanley that wins this. The thing is that the reason he got robbed is because he, he made his dunk look so effortless on the first one that everyone was just trying to set the bar. They didn't want to just give him a 50 right off the bat. It's like, okay, that's what your bar is going to set to. So, you know – 
you, you, how are we going to fix the dunk contest? Is it going to be less judges? Is it going to have to, is the NBA going to have to do something where star players want to participate a little more rather than looking at it from a money point of view? It's going to all come down to certain things, but that, that's, those are my takeaways. The slam dunk competition is broken. I was disgusted by it. I mean, no offense to Cashless Stanley, but he hasn't played for the Pacers all year. So, like, give me some guys that I've at least watched in an NBA game. Meanwhile, Anthony Simmons, the guy who won it, I think there was a stat he's only dunked 15 times in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he did have hops. Yeah, I'm not denying. So did Cassius Stanley. But, like, I, I've never – I saw Cash Stanley at Duke. That was two or three years ago. I haven't seen him since. But you know who ruined the dunk contest? It was D-Wade. Right, yeah. right, of course. Yeah. I mean, so, D-Wade ruins everything. D-Wade ruined the dunk contest. Nobody wants to be a part of it. It was completely rigged. And now we get a bunch of players that we could barely recognize. I knew uh, Anthony Simon because uh, he's on the Blazers, right? I've seen him play. Yeah, he's actually the backup for Lillard. He, he was probably, I mean, I guess top, and I haven't seen top play much on the Knicks, but Simon's not bad. Um, yeah, it was horrendous. And was this the fewest players it's ever been? Was it four in the previous years? I think it was four. I think it was yeah, just I don't, Also, they had to fit it in the halftime. So that's the other part of it. It was really rushed. Um, well, player yeah. excitement, you know, without the fans, you know, you really have to rely on that, those players on the sideline to provide that energy, which, which just lacked overall, you yeah. know. There's not one guy that really stood up and went crazy like we've seen the previous years of Aaron Gordon and Blake Griffin. So that, that weighed a heavy part. I'll tell you this. I agree with you, Chris, but the three-point competition, that had a lot of energy. I yeah. mean, Steph and Conley in that, in that finals, that, that felt like a normal three-point competition, regardless of COVID-19 and fans not being there. Um, that was pretty special. So I, I agree the three-point competition was fun. The skills competition was okay. It was just funny that Vuzovic and Sabonis were the finalists and Sabonis ended up winning. Uh, they, I, I said this earlier when we were recording another podcast, but they need to add the bounce pass back into the skills competition. It's not a skills competition unless you can make a bounce pass. Exactly. Uh, the game itself, I, I was whatever about, you know, it's cool that Steph and Dame can shoot from half court. Zion was nervous, which was bizarre. He like scuffed the first few dunks uh, of the game. And LeBron only played like 13 minutes. It was a weird all-star game. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. You could tell, looking, you could look back at this in 25 years and be like, oh yeah, that was definitely played during a pandemic. You know, it's like one of those. Um, Kyrie's soundbite on what he'll be doing before the season starts up again. He said this after the all-star game, minding my business, man, just like everybody else should be doing minding my business and making sure I'm staying committed to helping humanity out. So I understand that second part that totally makes sense. The minding my business is that referencing his first hiatus when, you know, the videos came in, or am I missing something here? I would I wouldn't go that deep into it. I think the thing is that a lot of people don't really visualize to the fullest is the rigors of the NBA schedule as a whole. Like you gotta realize that the shortened season they play about well, the Nets alone on average would they play three, four games a week. And on top of that, they're playing in a pandemic. You know, there's there's all those type of elements in there. And you know, with these players, we've seen it throughout the whole time with the all-star game. None most of them did not want to be in this. Most of them said, you know what, name the all-star team, just name it and not have a game. Because you got to think about it, you know. What was it? Probably on an average four or five day break between all these guys. Right. Like, you know, flying and getting tested, fitting the hotel room, all that stuff on top of it. So it sucked on that part for them. But like on at the same time, you gotta also remember, you know, these guys, they just it's a rigorous season, you know, 72 games season you guys whole second half schedule and that's have a lighter schedule than most teams but you know that, that that's how i view it i don't i don't really dive too deep into that i mean that's a smart answer on your end i look i 
I think at the end of the day, Kyrie is just like annoyed with all the shit that he's gotten and not rightfully so by any means. Like, I think he's gotten a lot of shit wrongfully from the media. At the end of the day, he's just like, yo, I'm just minding my own business. It's my, it's my time off, whatever. Leave it at that. I'm not going to go into detail on if who, you know, what family members I'll be speaking or, you know, who I'll be seeing for dinner. Like I'm minding my own business back the fuck off. Because players, players don't necessarily want to just like talk about what they do off the court. You right, know, their right. their lives are already monitored footstep by footstep on the hardwood alone, let alone the practice. So they want that free time for themselves. They want that time to relax, lay back. I'm one of those guys that understand that. A lot of guys don't necessarily, you know, they they dive into okay, where's Kyrie? Where's this? Where's that? For me, I judge it based on what they do on the hardwood, what they do in the community, and just leave it at that. That's that's really my job. Okay, we are going to bring in our second guest on the show. He is the co-host of the Wingspan podcast with Chris Mulholland, Doug Barak. My dude. What's up, guys? Doug Barak, actually, but no worries, man. How you doing? No, it's all good. It's so all good. So close, man. Doug Barak. Gosh darn it. I'm, I'm so informal. Doug is fine, man. Jiminy Crickets. I was so close. All right. Well, listen, Doug Barak, we got our first half Nets awards, but... These are awards that I created and I named everybody. So we're going to decide, or I guess you guys are going to tell me if I'm right or wrong with each award. Are you ready? I'm ready. I hope so. We'll go, we'll go Doug, Chris, and Nick. All right. Our MVP in the first half has been James Harden. Without a doubt. Yeah, I agree. Nick? I want to disagree just to spice things up, but I'll agree. The Unsung Hero Award. Now, this might get a little interesting. Jeff Green. I think he's definitely up there. Um, I also got to give it to Bruce Brown. And if you really want to get technical, Sean Marks, this is his season to lose the uh, executive of the year. Like, and he's not done yet. That's the crazy thing. If we're talking players, I'm going Jeff Green. If we're talking anyone else, I got to agree with Sean Marks. Because James Hart even said it, the net success has been based because of the veteran leadership and the veteran buildup of this team. And the voice of reason above that whole entire thing in a cloud is Jeff Green. So I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with Jeff Green. That's a good one. All right. My next award is the biggest surprise. And I think it's obvious it's Bruce Brown. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, to be honest. Yeah, I got you, Bruce. Nick Claxton. Okay. I'm doing, I'm doing good so far. Um, biggest disappointment this year, Timothy Luau Cabarro. I mean, yes and no. It's between him and Shamit. I felt like this, the ceiling for what we expected for Shamit was a little bit higher because of the 40% he's getting there. Um, TLC, you know, he's every other game. It's too tough. Can I say Nets defense? You can say that. <laughs> That's fair. I was going to say Nets defense because TLC, we always knew he was streaky. You know, like in the bubble, he had a great show out. But I've seen this guy from Long Island. I know. I, I got my fair looks at TLC. I know what he's got. But. You know, I it is it is going to be TLC. You know, especially since his contract's now guaranteed. He's he's on the books now. You know, so I got to go with TLC. Yeah, I got duped by TLC. I, I I knew nothing about him then in the bubble. I thought he was the man. So it's just been sad to see because I had I had such high hopes. You agree that he's the biggest disappointment? Yeah. All right. Next up, Mister Potential, Nick Claxton. Easy. It's kind of hard to argue that. I got to go with Nick, even though I see a lot of unrealistic expectations in the first, like as it stands now, you know, you got to let's lower the bar a little bit. You know, he's, we're not ready for Chris Bosh light yet. Although I love the comparisons, but it's way too early. 
I also get annoyed with the fact that I see people saying, oh, Nick Claxton's already better than Jared Allen. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. slow your roll. Please, enough with that. Relax. Yeah, and I see, like, don't get me wrong, the guy's got defensive – he's got great defensive talent, foreseeable just potential on that end of the floor, let alone offensively. But let's let's be real. Is this guy going to stop Joel Embiid? No. It's, it's, it's one of those things. I like where Claxton's going. He's definitely growing. I agree with that potential, yep. Maybe Claxton's like a really good shit talker and he's going to get in these big guys' heads. Maybe that's like his hidden, his hidden weapon. Uh, yeah, I'll agree with Claxton though. I mean, just from the couple games we've seen him, he's, he's more than we all have dreamed he could be so far. So, All right. This is the He Is Who We Thought He Was award. I'm giving it to Joe Harris. Yes, yes. Yeah. Throw it up for the man. Yeah. Without a doubt. I agree with that. You know, he's not – thing with Joe Harris is, you know, he's one of those Nets names that stay within Brooklyn when it comes to notables, right? Like notability. Over Everyone, you, we still see it all the time. Joe Harris is overpaid. Joe Harris overpaid. You see it all over the books. But at the end of the day, he's rightfully paid for the roles that he does on this team. And he's literally – you got to have him on the floor in clutch time. And when you need a three, you know the ball is going to be going in his hand. So, you know, with KD, how everything mixes out, there's no surprise with Joe Harris. I love Joe Harris. Okay, um, this is the Well We're Waiting Award. It's for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the injuries, I I would kind of, like, push it on to, like, DeAndre. Like, now that you're playing, like, all the guys are, you know, all the chips are loaded, what are we going to see come playoff time? Because he's been showing flashes of his old self on a little bit more of a consistent basis. So I'm curious, come playoff time, what kind of DeAndre Jordan will we see? Outside of player, I'm going to go with the DPE and the MLE. I think I think that's that's what I'm going to go with. But I agree, I agree with that on the player. Yep, KD. Nick. Yeah, I'll I'll agree with KD there. All right, and, and maybe I'll add a little bit of Steve Nash. Mm, oh, I like that. Okay. A little sprinkle of Steve. Mm-hmm. All right, two more for you guys. This one I call the maybe he's good, maybe he's not good, maybe fuck yourself award. I give it to DeAndre Jordan. Doug liked that one. <laughs> You caught me off guard with the last bit. Um, this is a departed reference, Doug. Yeah, I know, but still, like, you you totally caught me off with that. I don't even know how to respond. Like, I, I honestly, like, I'm not even going personnel. I'm literally just going with defense. I'm I'm going with defense. I'm pulling the Chris card. I'm just going, like, straight up defense if we're not picking a player. Like, if that, we're not stuck with. I got to go with defense. It's such a love-hate relationship, especially what's what's been going on the past month. You know, it's they went from last. I'm not ready to believe yet. 12, 14, and then they dip for the 20. They go back. It's got to be the defense. I, I, I can't even name a player. I got to go with defense. It, it's, the, it's the definition of maybe, maybe not, maybe fuck yourself. It is. That, yeah. I, that's what it comes down to. And that's not to avoid, like, seeing DJ at times, but, like, the defense itself is, like, it's been all over the place. Like, I'm not ready to believe yet. I'm not ready to get my heart broken come playoffs. I got to go sham it. Like, I know he said he's a comeback champ, but – I mean, again, I was all in on Shamit going in when we picked him up because I've, I've seen him on the Clippers. He's a fantastic shooter and just had all the confidence in the world. And, yes, it's nice to see someone slowly building that back up, but that took too long, in my opinion. And it makes me think how streaky could he be going forward, especially come playoff time. All right, Nick, and this is my final award for the first half. I call it the Mr. Teammate or Glue Guy Award. It's Kyrie Irving. Doug? I think it's fair. I mean, I also think it's hard. And at the same time, like, I think a lot of these guys are, you know, just they're super glue. You don't want to put in your hair kind of glue, but like 
they all have shown like flashes, like Jeff Green, as you mentioned before, kind of fits into that mold. I'm sure Bruce Brown, like, and obviously Steve Nash, like that's kind of why one of the reasons why he's picked his coach, like to be that glue, the additional glue. I got to go with James Harden because uh, number one, you know, James, he, he, trans- he, he didn't necessarily transform his game, but he brought the facilitating aspect that's been notably covered. And on top of that, you know, the, with the facilitating, you guys got to remember, too, is that if you get these players touches on the offensive end, you know that they're going to play hard on the defensive end. And that's just a sums up a great teammate overall. Steve Nash even noted it that hey, his facilitating didn't surprise him, but his the way he conducts himself on the leadership side is what surprised him. So that, that all just sums it up. I have to lock in James Harden. I'm going to agree with Doug and say Jeff Green, uh, just, the, just the veteran leadership and coming in and playing like he – you know, he's looking like – 10 years ago, Celtics, Jeff Green at times when they need him to, and other times he's taking a, a seat and letting the younger guys do their thing. So uh, agree with what everyone, what everything, what everyone said, but I think Jeff Green for me plays a really underrated piece of this team in terms of just keeping everyone together. The only reason I picked Kyrie was because he went to Harden and he said, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard. And nobody else on the team had any sort of communication where they gave up their position to another player. So. That was easy for me. All right, let's get to the second half of the season. Doug, please stick around. Uh, The Nets open up against the Celtics, Pistons, Knicks, Pacers, Magic, and Wizards. So that's six games in 10 days. What do we think they will go in those six games? If Kevin Durant comes back, well, I don't think you got to, I don't think KD's going to play a lot when he comes back on top of that, considering Nash is conservative or pro. The guy's not in game shape. What was it? Nine? What did you say? Nine games? Six, six games in 10 days. The Celtics, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Pacers, the Magic, the Wizards. I'm going to go with four and two. Okay, Doug, what about you? I'm looking at it right now. I think that's pretty fair. Nick? Six and oh. The only one to me that's a remotely a threat is the Celtics. Okay, because we've lost two games to the Wizards this year. We've lost to the Magic. We beat the Pacers, Knicks, and – oh, no, we lost to the Pistons, and we beat the Celtics. I'll say three and three. I think we come out of all-star break a little sluggish. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a struggle for Steve Nash to get Blake Griffin into the rotation. Um, KD is going to slowly get back, but I think we're going to stumble a little bit. We've just been too hot lately. It's, it's one of those scenarios where we're 10 in our last 10 wins in the last 11 games that you can't keep that up. So I say we go three and three. Okay. Next up. Are we worried about Kevin Durant and his nagging hamstring injury? Chris, let's start with you. I'm going to go with it's definitely a concern, you know, but I don't think it's a major concern because I think what the Nets are doing with letting him be patient and not rushing him back, which also adds in because everyone viewed Harden as a luxury when we got him, but now it's turning into a necessity. So on top of that, I would say as long as he goes at his own pace, and the thing that I like about this Nets team too is obviously Kevin Durant wants to be on the floor. We've seen it. But all of his teammates, from Kyrie Irving to James Harden all the way down, they want him to return when he's 100% healthy. So that doesn't add a lot of pressure on him. And he, Kevin Durant's one of those guys, too, that he's not going to take that social media hate and say, oh, he's getting carried. Oh, he's doing this, you know. So on top of that, I wouldn't necessarily say it's worried, but it, I would say it's a concern. I would say it's a slight concern to keep an eye on. I, I think we got like a – I don't know if we'll see him by the end of these six games. I think they should still wait because hammies are like, you mess up, it can be serious. Like as someone who hurt his hammy and I don't know what the hell I did, it took me out a while to get back. And I don't have the same like facilities as Duran and such. So like ease him back. 
I'm afraid of contact tracing to happen again with him. And then he's going to, you know, be out of rhythm and then he's going to get even more hurt. So like, just do what you got to do. Yeah, because we saw what the hamstring did to Jamal Crawford in the bubble, you know? He played, what, four, five minutes, pulled his hammy, and then he was done, you know? And Kevin Durant, you guys got to – everyone's got to remember, too, he's 30 – I think he's 32. So, on top of that, you know, age comes with numbers, and when injuries cut in, out of the equation, you don't know what could happen. All right. More likely, James Harden to win the MVP or Steve Nash to win Coach of the Year? Doug, let's start with you. I'm going with Harden because it's tough with Nash. But we'll, it's too early. On You know what? Let me rephrase. It's too early to say with Nash because you could make the argument narrative, oh, he has such a stacked team narrative versus best record. Like, what, what will our record be? We don't know yet. We still have not had a fully healthy roster playing together. With James Harden, he's got a lot of ground to catch up with. But as you said, I got to pick one of the others. So I'm, I'm leaning Harden at the moment. I got to go with James because, well, number one, you know, there's no – Everyone knows there's no really checkbox you have to meet when it comes to MVP conversation. If MVP meant what MVP means, I guarantee you LeBron would definitely have a full trophy case throughout his career. But on top of that, you got the thing that sticks out the heart of the most that a lot of people haven't really highlighted is his durability. This guy's missed, I think, 50 games throughout his whole entire career. If not, I think less than that. And on top of that, you know, with the MVP talk, it's it's going to be hard, you know, especially, well, like I said before, there's no really checkboxes that that meet and considering the supporting cast he has around him. Nets have that villain approach to them. You know, there's there's so many things that can go into it. And Steve Nash, you know, coach of the year is more kind of when the, it comes out, it's understandable. There's no really no debate, right? It's like, okay, that guy deserved it. But it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I think both of them have a good shot of hitting it. I think, that, I think Steve Nash will get it if they end up with a one seed and they have a very good successful second half. But, you know, with Steve, you got to give credit to the guys next to him, D'Antoni, Vaughn, and Adoka. You know, those are the guys that's really helping him out and just along the way as a rookie. I would be very surprised if Quinn Snyder, if the Jazz continued, you know, even a, a, a tiny bit drop at the level they're playing now, I'd be very surprised if Quinn Snyder didn't win Coach of the Year. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, Nick. I was about to say it's, it's between Doc Rivers, Quinn Snyder, and Steve Nash for me, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And then finally, this is my last question, then we'll get to our rapid fire. What are your predictions on what happens to Spencer Dinwiddie's future with the Brooklyn Nets? I think he's getting traded. I think, I think what's going to happen is the good thing about Sean, Sean Marks, is he's very transparent with his players. We've seen that. Uh, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Torian Prince, they've all told us in the buildup to the Harden trade, the months of rumors that Sean's been completely transparent with them. He, they literally could ask him any question, any time. And, you know, with Spencer, too, he, he, there was those debates of will he come off the bench? You know, he's always been on the bench. Does he want that increased role? The contract also plays into it. You know, it is a piece that the Nets can move to get a five or even just finish out their roster to see after the buyout. Even, well, you know, the buyout on the trades altogether. But, look, altogether, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets traded. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays but I'm leaning towards he gets traded. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, it sucks. Like, it's a contract year. He's been around just shortly after the Joe Harris, like, being the Sean Marks era. And like I said in the last podcast we were on, I'm terrible at being a GM. Like, I don't have the heart for that kind of stuff. Put me into, like, make minutes and rotations, but, like, I don't have the heart and soul. Like, but knowing Sean Marks and bouncing off, you know, some of these players, they're – very transparent with each other. Spencer's likely to get one of his top choices. 
mm-hmm. and still get a good package back for the Nets. Um, what is interesting is for Dimwitty, because this is a contract year, will he accept the option on the team he's on because he's rehabbing from a nasty injury or hope maybe he gambles and gets a better deal? Thankfully, it's only a minor tear, but still, like, injuries are injuries. All right. So we are going to get to the end of the podcast. This is the last segment. We have a bonus segment that I will talk about after. This is, you know, normally with guests, we do a rapid fire. But since you guys are so close, I wanted to kind of change it up a little bit. So we're going to do a new segment. It's called How Well Do You Know Your Co-Host? So Doug Barrick, Chris Mulholland, this is the time for you guys to basically prove to everyone that you actually know the person that you co-host a podcast with. Nick is going to ask you guys 10 questions on what you think your co-host's answer would be. Let's get it. Number one, Chris, we'll start with, this is Chris's question. So Doug, you're answering for Chris. Who is Chris's favorite net of all time? I'm going with Vince, if I'm not mistaken. It's either Vince or J-Kid, but I think it's Vince. Chris? It's Vince. It's correct. He knows me very well. We've had our New Jersey talks. Love it. All right, we're going to flip that. Chris, who's Doug's favorite net of all time? Well, this is tricky. I think I know. Um, Oh, I think I do know. I'm torn between two right now. Doug, you have the one player in your mind? I, I have one, yeah. Like, it's tough because I'm such a new gen fan. So it was like easy for me to get attached to players quick, but I, there is one. Oh, God, I'm having a blank. He has a picture with him. I know it too because he was talking. <laughs> I have a picture oh, with a lot it. of them. I have a picture with a lot of them, but like, there's one picture in my mind that I think of with this player. Well, I was going to say Kenny Anderson, but like, I but, but K.A. was uh, New Jersey. I remember, man, I'm Brooklyn. Shout out, shout out Kenny Anderson, former guest on Fireside Nets. Oh, he's a boy. I like, love Kenny. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to have to go with Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm gonna have uh, to. Nah, so my, my long term would be Joe Johnson, man. Oh, my. Bro. Like, if we're talking, like, more recently, because it's been a minute since Joe, like, because Joe is, like, when I hopped on the team, like, it was between Joe, D-Will, and Brooke. But, like, Joe, like, was pretty consistent for me. I have his jersey signed, met him with my pops for his, my dad's birthday. I love Dinwiddie and all, but it's been too short of a fanship. Yeah. And Joe would also be, like, one of those honorary names. But Joe Joe Jesus is my, my guy. I still stand. Damn. Well, Chris won't forget that next time. Yeah, I won't. Oh, now I'm not. <laughs> I'm forgetting that one. I would have uh, guessed Chris Humphreys, by the way. That was my guess for Doug. Oh. No, I, I could not care. <laughs> I, I, I care as much about him as I do the Kardashians. No offense. <laughs> All right, that's 1-0, Doug, in How Well Do You Know Your Co-Host. Number two, this one's for Chris. You're answering for Doug now. Who is the most famous person your co-host has ever met? Just think about the area I live in, Doug. I, I would think it has to be like a job. If the question was for me to ask about Chris, then it's either like a Giants player or like a basketball player. Damn. It has to be one. Like, it's definitely sports related. I'm, I'm just going to go with Stephen Bonnie's dad, Philip Bonnie, which I know is a cheat because that's his mentor, but that's the best I can do. That's a great answer. Always down to get lunch with Philip. He's the man. I got to go with CC Sabathia. I got to go with CC. I did not know that. Shout out Michael Grady. Yeah, was, I got to go with CC. When I met him, he was a very, very, very nice guy. I would have to go with CC. You know, the Nets, well, I don't know. My job, like, you know, I talk to these guys. So it doesn't really, I had to pick something unique. I would have to go with CC. That's a great one. All right. You could tie it up here, Chris. Who's the most famous person your co host, Doug, has ever met? Oh, my Lord. This guy's, oh, Lord. I don't even think I know. <laughs> Pictures galore. Um, is it sports related? 
It could be. I'm thinking of one right now, just because of like something we relevantly talked about the other day with Noah. So like, I'll, I'll go with that. Cause I, I, I honestly can't think I've met a lot of people. So it's hard. And I don't mean it like in that kind of way. You gotta but... go with Eagle. Sure. I'll go with Ian. That's fine by me. I love Ian. I, I was thinking Kareem just cause it was fresh in my mind, but yeah, I fuck, I fuck, I'm not cursing. I love Ian Eagle. Yeah. Ian Eagle's a lot more famous than Kareem. <laughs> I've just, cause I think of Kareem and airplane and that's like one of my favorite movies, but no, oh, that's yeah, awesome. no, I'm sticking with the bird. I stand bird. All right. One, one going into question number three. Doug, what is Chris's favorite Nickelodeon show of all time? I feel like Rocket Power. That's what is it? Come on, then. Got to be SpongeBob. Yeah. Shout out Nets depiction. He's been on the pod. Will, good guy. Chris, what's Doug's favorite? Oh, he's a 90s kid. I'm going with Cat Dog. I can rock with Cat Dog. I was actually more of a Cartoon Network kid. Nickelodeon was kind of like my second string network, man. But it, it's okay. We're going with Nick. Jeez, man. <laughs> I, I'm I like I, Nick. I was like into all that. King Kel, uh, Drake and Josh. Like it's tough. I'm all over the place. Nick, Cartoon Network. Right. I'm gonna count that as a draw. All right. So it's still it's still one one. <laughs> Question number four, Doug. What type of music does Chris listen to the most? I want to say hip hop. You know, it's the same. It's the same thing nowadays. Like you know, everyone listens to the I was same. like rapping hip hop. I like rap. Yeah, just your basic. Uh, we're going to count that as a, as a correct answer. Chris, what's Doug's favorite music? Like, Doug listens to a lot of music. I, I do. I know he listens to a lot. If I had to pick, like, you know, it's more of like, you know, I got to go with that maybe that little R&B taste with a little bit of hip-hop, you know? It's not like it's not like heavy rap, but it's like hip-hop, you know? I mean, I'm like in the ballpark. Like, I'm, I'm mixing, like, between, like, rock and hip-hop. It's so tough, like, between Green Day, Eminem, Jay-Z, and all that. Foo Fighters. But yeah, like I still get down with Lincoln. I'll blast it. Does that count as a correct answer? Also, yes. what, one of your guys' chairs is making the fart <laughs> noise. Oh, that's my chair. It, it, rubs oh, up, right. it rubs up against my uh, desktop. And I'm so used to my mic being muted. Like I constantly move. It's like because my desktop's in oh, such a weird spot. It rubs, it's like the leather material always rubs against the corner thing. It's all good. I didn't think you were ripping farts. I just wanted to make your listeners. I, I didn't even notice it because my yeah. headphones are so loud. I forget. I need Chris, to slide. To Chris, the could you hear that? Dude, I thought someone's dinner was coming. <laughs> nah, man. That's literally like, my I'm chair. Just to sit back and just, you know. I just got to stop this for a second. This is one of my favorite segments of all time. You guys are literally making my night right now. You so dug on. You know you're, you're in for a good one. Nick, continue with these amazing questions. All right. All right we're going to say it's 2-2 two, two somehow going on to the fifth question. Love it. Chris, what is Doug's favorite food? Okay. Well, first of all, foodie, which is the problem. He makes is his favorite food. I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with being – I'll go with that. fine with being so Give me a dish that he makes. It's got to be – like mozz, it's like matzo balls. Not, I've never no. made matzo balls in my life that I'm aware of. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I like matzo balls. I don't want, I'm not going with like, mess up your stomach. Going like, I'll have the worst IBS if you have too many matzo balls, just letting you know. I know. Oh, listen, man, I grew up on fast food and all this stuff. Listen, I'm not. Yeah, like, dude, I hate your food. You're going to go with like a McDonald's Big Mac for all I know. My North Jersey guys know there's a lot of options around here when it comes to fast food. Yeah. You're, you're talking to the wrong people. Wendy's, I, I, Wendy's I, on I, 17. More, yeah, Wendy's on. No, Wendy's is on four. You idiot. That's what I'm saying. All right. I there's also Wendy's on seventeen. I thought you were telling your order number. I'm like, I'm about the number six at Wendy's. <laughs> That's the chicken nuggets, right? 
Uh, no, no spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, I, mean, I haven't been in a while, but like, it's my right. order. Change my answer. Doug likes pizza. I'm going pizza. I'm fine with that. I'm Brooklyn guy. And I've clearly been making some flatbread pizza on my own homemade dough, so I'll, I'll take it. Oh, hell yeah. Doug, are you going with fast food for Chris's favorite? No, I'm going with pizza, dude. He's been having, like, pizza every other night. He's showing from, like, that place in Hillside or whatever. And, oh, like, nonstop. Oh, I'm like, dude, you, are you just taking delicacy. the same picture? Or are you just... Nino's and Hillsdale is a delicacy. Like, every night, it's the same exact picture, just a different angle. This... And it's the same uh, pie, too. It's the grandparents' pie. Oh, no, man. All right. Don't fix it. Save it for the pizza segment. All right. I got to say that multiple times throughout the pod because you guys love talking pizza. All right. It's 3-3 going into question number six. Ooh. Chris, when's Doug's birthday? I know this. So good. It's in the M's. March or May? Neither. I'm a cancer, <laughs> man. July. Bro, I don't I'm, know when yours is either. So, my like. My birthday? Yeah, dude. I'm a cancer. I feel like you're in June. Non-February. See, look, yeah. we, we don't we eat, we don't eat like we're all over the place for the birthday. Hey, it's still time. Dude, I'm, I'm still a terrible. Time. I don't even know my best friend's birthday. So like, exactly. uh, I, I know on. most of my family's most. Get the Facebook notification at seven a.m. Like, oh, Thank wow, you. we're birthday. so attuned to that. Like back in the day, I used to memorize phone numbers. I don't have to anymore. Yeah, sure. I just call Facebook. That's it. Like, Yo, can I speak to get the mom on the home phone? Not kidding on that. All right, we're gonna say three, three, number seven. We we'll start with Doug here, Doug. Who is Chris's celebrity crush? Ariana Grande. You know, like you can sit, you can throw that. In. I don't know. I was just thinking of the time when we had the Super Bowl conversation. You're like dead set on her doing the halftime show. <laughs> Bro, I was telling you, I was like, listen, if they want, if they want something that pleases everyone, you put Ariana Grande on that stage. That's why I said it. Set and done. It's that simple. Yeah, you know, I got to give Doug those points. I gotta, I'll give Doug those points. I'll give Doug. Those wow. Points. All right, Chris. What about Doug? Oh my, this is. Man, this is this. We don't talk about this stuff, so it's like shootout. This is like, this is like a one-handed shot from outside the arena, like right now. But well, I know it's not a Kardashian. I can tell you that. I know Doug does not like that. Um, What is the opposite of a Kardashian? That's what I'm saying. No, well, he brought a Ariana Grind. I'm gonna have to throw that one right back to him. Right now, man, I don't even know. I'm just thinking of like my childhood crush kind of thing. It was like Missy from Pokemon, but like that was a while ago. (laughs) Oh, I, I, was, wow. I was a big J-Lo guy growing up. Apparently, I had a dream about J-Lo when I was like seven, and I told my mom about it, and she reminds me to this day. So, oh, J-Lo, Shakira. I don't, I don't think about like celebrity crushes, man. Like, I gotta go Emma Watson. I used to have, <laughs> I used to have a picture of her like hanging on my night table, man. Um, all right, so I'm gonna give that to uh, Doug. Four three, Doug, going into question number eight. So, Chris. What is Doug's favorite activity outside of work? Maybe on the weekends? What's he doing for fun? Depends, you know. He, I don't think you, get, you don't game that much anymore, do, do you? I'm not allowed to answer this part yet. You're supposed to guess. I know. <laughs> I, I want to say gaming, but then you're going to spawn back, I haven't touched an Xbox in this amount of time. So I mean, I always touch my Xbox because my Xbox connected everything. <laughs> I'd have to go with... There's like three acceptable answers. He doesn't go out a lot. That's true. That's I why I have my physique. You know, I gotta go with, you know, well, I, well, it's gonna be watching the Nets. It has to be. I'm fine with that. It's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, they're not always on. I w- I was just like, you know, I'm either I'm on my couch either binging TV, movies, or playing video games. Oh, man, but that's ex- that's ex- dude. Oh my god, when I was unemployed, nonstop, it was insane. <laughs> my bucket list just went almost none. Yeah. 
that's basketball, movies, or gaming. Those are th- those are top three for Doug, I think. Hell yeah! Okay. All right, Hoping's I'm gonna give bonus. that point to you, but I'm gonna say Doug for Chris's. You can't say watching the Nets. Oh no, I wasn't. I was gonna say playing basketball, playing hoops. Yep. As long as he doesn't have any injuries, which is constant. Yeah, I've torn two ACLs. My times, my hourglass is almost empty. Bro, I tore my Achilles like six months ago. Oh yeah, you know how it is. Blake Griffin almost makes Chris look healthy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, so Doug's still in the lead. You guys both got that one. Question number nine. Doug's up five four. Chris, who who do you think Doug's most important net is right now outside of the big three? Joe Harris. Yeah, it's definitely Joe. Bruce Brown would have been my honorary mention. All right, he flip it. Loves that, he loves that fist pound. That nice little goal. That's my gift. Bro, he I loves love it. it. Man, I mean, it's tough. Like, who wouldn't say Joe? But I want to. I just want to guess outside the park. Um, we're talking outside the big three. Let's go with Uncle Jeff. Okay, I got the eye rolls. <laughs> I got I to gotta go with Claxton, you know? That was my other one because, like, your connection with, in Long Island. But I was like, I want to do somebody who's been with the team longer. Yeah, like I don't playing one. Yeah, I don't like me. I got the no class thing a little bit in Long Island, so I, I gotta go with class. Wow. All right. We are tied on the last question of how well do you know your co-host? Going to question number 10. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna change up question number 10 because it yeah, is I feel like we know the answer now. I'm, well, no, no, no. <laughs> Let's not assume anything. Um, this is my question, Nick. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question. So, Doug, let's start with you. What do you think that Chris's biggest accomplishment in the Nets culture has been during his tenure covering the team? Well, I don't know if it counts writing his book because it's not specifically on the Nets and had John and Musa, so that kind of relates it to the Nets. So I guess publishing his first book. Got to the book. And okay. It relates because I got at least Musa in it. There you go. And Chris, oh, yeah. what about for Doug? What, what is Doug's greatest accomplishment as a diehard Nets fan? And I actually might know the answer to this. I'm thinking of one right now. How many avenues you could take this, right? There are so many because I'm just a Nets fan. Like, you know what? I know how much Doug's dad means to him. I gotta go with getting that gif of you and your dad going to games with you and your dad. I got it. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, I was gonna say either the gift of my dad or just going with games with my dad in general. The the honorable mentions could be helping Sean Marks hand out Modelo and Red Bull to my fans. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm literally gonna say that too. But I was We're like, back when I used to make graphics and like get up players to sign it and that kind of stuff. Like uh-huh. just being a central focus in Nets Twitter somehow. I'm just like a kid from Brooklyn, man. Like you wouldn't even tell like how long I've been a fan the way I talk and act. I, I just want to put this out there. I really wanted to somehow bring up that GIF. There is for, for the listeners out there, oh, there is an GIF? amazing what? is it is it GIF? I, I do GIF, even I though the yeah. supposedly guy who created it calls it GIF. But I'm like, I don't I don't care. I don't care. It, it's in my subconscious. I have no idea. I say GIF, GIF, whatever. There's a great one of Doug. GIF has to do with Jiffy's like the peanut butter. Jiffy's the peanut butter, right? right you right. ever hear Bryce Harper call a meme a May May? It's kind of funny. I, I think this is trolling. Doug, describe the gif of you and your father that is forever on Twitter. I've seen you post it a hundred times. It's a classic, oh, yeah, classic yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, We need music for this. So it was um, Drazen Night, the night where against the Bulls, where Jared Allen dunks on Laurie Market and put him in the coffin type dunk. Um, and I'm sitting in Mr. Whammy's seats. Uh, Mr. Whammy's a family friend. He knows my uncle. Um, his kid. Mr. Wemmy's uh, daughter, I think, went to school with my aunt or something like that. Um, so that had a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're sitting in the seats and um, 
because I'm rocking draws and like I see them from the corner of my eye. I also see the cameraman, uh, Mike, uh, Michael, who just the photographer. In addition, so that's where like the still pictures are from, for me just opening gas, my dad's smiling. The other thing is, back then they used to do 15 Seconds of Fame, which is an app that they kind of did for like, two seasons relatively consistently, especially at other arenas as well. And like you get this app, you get 15 Seconds of Fame, whatever. So I like I see we're up there, do the thing like. I'm jersey popping. My dad's just clapping, and some sorry, I'm gonna try and not curse again. Some dude in the back is dabbing, and everyone's like, "Oh, there's a dude dabbing in the back." I'm like, "Dude, you're taking away from like this moment with my dad and I." And this guy is right behind me. Everyone points out is this guy dabbing right behind us, and just like I abuse that gift. Like that day is so my profile picture and all my social media accounts. Like it's just one of my favorite pictures of my dad, even though I don't, I'm not rocking my beard, so I got my baby face going. Two, two quick things. I know you don't want to curse in this podcast. I can. Fuck that guy for dabbing and ruining that moment with you and your dad. Fuck him and, and the fucking horse he rode in on. So that's number one. Number two, Nick and I can appreciate and respect the hell out of the fact that you, you know, part of your fandom comes from those experiences with your dad. If it wasn't for our dad. And the funny thing about our dad, our dad was a Knicks fan. Our dad's from Long Island in Brooklyn. He didn't really care about basketball that much growing up, but we, you know, he moved to Jersey. He had us and he's like, fuck it. I'm going to bring my kids to Nets games. And that's going to be our bonding thing. Lo and behold, uh, our dad came on the podcast the other day. He filled in for Nick and that was our most listened to episode in the history of the podcast. So clearly I should be hosting the show with my dad instead of Nick. But that's another debate for another day. Anyways, shout out to dads everywhere, especially the ones that bond with their kids over Nets basketball. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like, who would have thought? He had so many opportunities for me to become a fan when he's watching games in my room. I'm playing Counter-Strike Source. And I, I didn't care. I wasn't about that. And then all you know, Nets come to Brooklyn. I'm all locked in. And I'm the one saying, Dad, let's go to games. Let's go to games. Let's walk. Let's walk 25 minutes and whatnot. And he's been the fan since the ABA. I'm the newcomer. And I'm already acting like the super fan. That's awesome. So is what it is and a late blooming bonding from softball catches that I didn't even care about to acting like I love sports. Who would have thought he didn't definitely love it. I love it. Well, listen, that was awesome. Thank you for sharing. Thank you guys both for coming on Chris Mulholland, Doug Barrick. You can listen to them on the wingspan podcast. Where can guys find you on social media? I'm at C-M-I-L-H-O-L-E-N-S-B on Twitter. Chris Mahalan on Instagram and yeah, netsdaily.com. You can find me there. You can find me pretty much everywhere. D Barak. So D is in Doug. Bear like the animal. So you're spelling out bear and then AK. Not like the weapon. That's too violent. All right, Nick. Yeah, what about our bonus segment? Well, that I was about to say before me and Nick finish the pod, you know, Chris is going to stick around. We have a bonus segment, a quick five minute segment. It's our top five pizza places in Bergen County, New Jersey. Chris and Doug is, uh, should do a top five Brooklyn pizza places. Yeah, you guys can do that. I, I can't episode. rank them, but I can list them. I'll show you. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for, for listening. If you want to listen to the bonus segments, stay around. Otherwise, Nick, you want to do the honors? Yeah, are we singing? Yeah, we're singing. Catch you, Catch on, you the on the fire, fire side. All right, Chris, thank you for sticking around. For everybody in the New Jersey tri-state area who loves pizza, who's familiar with the Bergen County pizza scene, this is a segment that you're going to want to listen to. Chris and I have listed our top five pizza places in Bergen County. We're going to count them down. Chris, let's start with your number five. Number five? I got to go Bivio Montclair, Bivio Montclair. You know, it's not North Jersey, but
but there is no such thing as Central Jersey. It's definitely not in Bergen County either, but it's I'm familiar with Bibio. Wait, that, that's Neapolitan Pizza. It's yeah. on my list. I'm very familiar with oh, it. I got to go there. Okay, so it's on your list. Okay. So I would have to rank I would have to rank that at five. You know, Montclair's not too big of a strip. You know what? I'll yeah. throw I'll throw Montclair into Bergen County. I just meant it's on my list of places to try. I have not tried it yet. I've seen pictures on Instagram. It looks ridiculous. Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. All right. My number five is a classic. If you've lived in the Bergen County area, you're probably familiar with this place. It's the Brooklyn Brick Oven Pizzeria in Hackensack. There's also one in Edgewater, and there's one in Ridgewood, I believe. Uh, it's coal-fired pizza. It's that that old-fashioned just cheese on top of the sauce. You can see the sauce still. It's a, it's it's technically a margarita, but their pizza, the, the sauce, the cheese, it's to die for. Chris, I see you nodding. I'm sure you've been to BBO before. I, I go to the one in Hackensack. You know, it's right there. It's right – well, we're a town apart from each other, so we know – so it's literally right down. What is it? You would have to take Kindercomac right down it, and then hop on some other. Street. Yeah, it's right near the the smart person's it's high school. Like the, yeah, it's probably like the not the McDonald's, but you know the White Man. It's like yes, in that in that vicinity. Yeah, it's in that vicinity. That I had that actually at number three. I had that at number three for okay. me. Okay, all right. What is your number four? I gotta go with Kinsley's Tavern in Ramsey. You, Thin okay. crust pizza. Thin you crust know. pizza. I know Kinsley's well. Um, it, it's been around forever. It's one of those old classic places. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely family friendly. Yes. That, you feel that, you feel like that family atmosphere in there, you know, you feel that small business, you get that, you, you just get that whole experience. You know, if you, if you want to go to a pizza place that you walk in and you got like the, the dad, the, you know, like the daughter on the cashier, you got that whole family environment. Plus you get like the nice little menus on top of that old style too. That's the place to go. Could you kill a pie by yourself there if you're hungry enough? If I'm hungry enough. Oh, yeah, I could eat. All right. My number four is Pazza in Franklin Lakes. This is a newer place. It's it's close to Neapolitan style. It's not quite Neapolitan style. It's one of those pizzas you order, two of them. You can split them with with you and your date. Uh, My parents love this place, and my parents aren't big pizza people. I'm going to go with Pazza in Franklin Lakes for my number four. Is that on 208? I think it's right off 208. I think yeah, it's not in that it's not in that strip mall where they got like the Jersey mics and all that. No, I don't think it's there. I, think I don't it's, think so. It's yeah. close to that. I, I I'm drawing a blank. I've been there like a few times. My parents swear by that place, and they're not big pizza people, so I had to throw them in there. Yeah, feel that, feel that, feel that. Well, the, my note. What was that? What am I on? Three, right? Well, three was the it was Brooklyn's brick oven pizza and Hackensack. That was my number three. You know, like you said, the marinara, just the the sauce, the cheese. I believe Portnoy did go there. Right? Yeah, yeah, he, he did go there. I think he gave it a high eight. I think he did, but I, I, I don't take Portnoy's word. Take our word. Uh, I, listen, good. Chris, you're not going to find someone who's more of a Dave Portnoy critic on judging pizza than I am. The man grew up on shit Boston bar pizza. Thinks he can go to six thousand places in America, and all of a sudden he's a pizza connoisseur. No, it's not something that you can practice and get good at. Doesn't take volume. It's something that you have to be accustomed to as a child. You have to grow up near the Hudson River. You can't grow up near the Boston Harbor. Exactly. I've been eating pizza for God knows how long. You know, if you're if you're a North Jersey guy, you know your pizza. You know, especially if you eat it consistently. I also don't need Dave Portnoy to tell me that a place around here is an 8.5. What the fuck does that matter? I've probably tried it already, Dave. Um, I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there. I'm not, I'm not a Portnoy guy when it comes to pizza. Outside of that, I can take him or leave him. 
Uh, my number three, this is actually a restaurant that is within 50 feet from my apartment right now. It's called Om Om at the Brownstones. There's also one in North Bergen. Uh, this is classic Neapolitan pizza. I, I feel like I'm in Italy when I'm there. The margarita, the buffalina, they do a pie with soprasat on it. They do a white pie with prosciutto and truffle oil on it. I mean, they, they give you homemade bread as an appetizer. It's just Om Om at the Brownstones in Englewood. There's also one in North Bergen. That's my number three. Okay, not bad. I still have to try that place. I have heard of it before, but I still got to try it. I'm, I'm in the apartment complex that's attached to the restaurant. So if you ever go, call me up. I'll, I'll meet give you, you for a nice beer. call. I'll give you a nice call so I get the in-person pizza review. Oh, hell yeah. But one of my two. Now, after I say this, you'll know why I'm, I said it. Because okay. if you leave this place out of your top two and you're in you're in North Jersey, keep in mind, no Central Jersey, it's a, you can't have it. Okay. Angeloni's in Caldwell. Okay. So again, I have a list of about a hundred places I want to try. They're very high on my list, but tell me, why are they number two? The thing is, you know, it's, it's like, cause my friend went to Caldwell, right? I've only been there twice, but the thing is it gives off me and you could only relate to this. And same thing with Doug. If he, if he came into the North Jersey atmosphere, when I eat pizza, especially if I'm going somewhere, the environment counts a lot, yes. you know? The yes. environment counts a lot. When you walk into that place, you'll know right away why that thing's on two on my list. I'm not. Even, I'm not I don't want to spoil it. That's it. Walk right in. On top of that, you know they got different types of style. Because the thing is, too, it's not flappy. It's not very greasy. It's kind of that perfect mix with the sauce. On top, you still have the melted cheese. It's not like that type of cheese. It's also pizza that you know when you bring home and you you heat it up like 30 minutes later, 40 minutes later. It doesn't feel like a pile of mush. Mm -hmm. It feels like something that's okay. Five minutes sitting on the table, whatever the case is. So it, it evolves. Well, it's not one of those that could get mushy or a lot of grease on it. The crust is very good too, especially if you ask for the seasoned crust, it's kind of like not, not necessarily like a garlic crust, but at the same time, they have a lot of like little peppers and stuff on it. It's really good. That sounds banging. They do the thinny thin. Yeah, they do thinny thin. Exactly. It's like, it's hard. It's hard to really sum it up. They have a lot of options there. And if I, if I was going there, I would get the meat lovers, you know, just get, just get the meat lovers. I know Portnoy has been there too. I think he rated it pretty high. Um, Chris, just, just a question. How insane of a human being do you have to be to know details about a pizza place that I've never even been to? Mm. It's a rhetorical well, I know question. You know your pizza that's in the Twitter bio too, you know? So I, 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 I know the standards I'm walking into when I do, when I join this undisputed uh, pizza King of North Jersey for I'm anybody who's listening. And on top of that, you know, you did say it's one of those top places on your list that you have yet to try. So whoever, whoever gave you that information is a very good man. My number two selection, it's in the town of Ridgewood. I actually made Nick come to dinner with me here about a year or two ago. It's called S. Egidio. Nick, am I saying that right? Yeah, S. Egidio or S. Edigio, one or the other. Um, similar to Om Om, it's just slightly better. It, it, it just is. They have a pie there. It's prosciutto, hazelnuts, and honey. And it will knock your freaking socks off. I mean, their, their, their margarita is good, all that stuff. But that pie, like you taste that. You never thought that honey would go well with Italian cured meats, would go well with hazelnut. Oh, no, it goes. It plays. That's not on the main strip. That's, that's over the tracks, right? Uh, no, it's right before the tracks. 
where like there's a place called Steel Tavern or something, Mediterraneo. You know exactly where I'm saying. You walk into that place. You can't make a reservation there. If you walk in on Saturday or Sunday, you will wait two hours for a table. You have to go Monday to Thursday at like a weird time. But Nick, could, could you please unmute yourself and vouch for how good that place is in Ridgewood? Desidigio? I think that's how you pronounce it. Desidigio. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it was bomb. Yeah, I, I love that style of pizza for sure. Like the thinner, more gourmet with like a bunch of crazy toppings. All right, Chris, what is your number one choice in North Jersey or Bergen County for pizza? It's got to be the one I've been posting on Twitter for the past three weeks. It's Nino's Pizzeria in Hillsdale, right? It's right by the shop, right? You, it's, it's, you could miss it, so don't miss it, you know, when you're going down there. The thing with Nino's is it's an amazing environment. They're one of those pizza places, that too, that have a great social media channels on all their accounts. And on top of that, they treat you like family. That is the number one. That is like the golden rule of having a successful pizzeria. You walk in there and you feel like family. And my, I know I I got put on it from one of my friends. One of my friends, he mails, you know, the Christmas buddy, Christmas cards, you know, all that stuff. I got put onto it and literally grandparents pie or grandma's pie. Just that's all you need to know. Get those two and you'll realize why it's number one on my list. Did you post a picture of a half grandma, half grandpa the other day? Is that what that looked amazing? That's what it was. And that's the one you messaged me about. <laughs> that's, that's, that's it right there. Nino's Pizzeria. I'm telling let, you. Let, let me tell you something crazy. So yeah, there's a lot of people on Nets Twitter, right? And you and I, actually, we, we've been messaging a little bit about you coming on the podcast. But the second I saw that pizza, I was like, buddy, hold up. The new bond forming right now. I'm telling well, I love, I love pizza, you know, and I know Doug knows this as well. Doug always, he would be like, text me. I'd be like, he's going to respond back 20 minutes. I'm sorry, Doug, I was eating pizza. I was so disappointed when you said you had a salad for lunch today instead of pizza, but you know what? We have those days. It's, it's Monday. I get you. You don't want to have a Monday. You want to start off the week on a good note. You know, you don't want to just, you know, just dive right into pizza. Give it, give it a day or two. Um, are you ready for my number one? I'm ready for your number one. Okay. I have high expectations here. This is a newer place. In fact, I've only really had it in the last six, seven months. Hold it on. is in Wallington, New Jersey, and it is called Tavolino. Give me a minute. Can you spell that out for me, sir? T unbelievable, T-A-V-O-L-I-N-O. And I'm going to tell you why this is my number one pizza place. Maybe it's recency bias. Maybe it's because my girlfriend loves it. They do a Sicilian pie. You can do vodka. You can do roni cups, whatever the case may be. But the Sicilian pie is so airy and it's the perfect combination of crispy and doughy. It's Got right that. in that perfect center and you get garlic knot crust with it. So garlic knots around the crust. I do a half vodka, half pepperoni pie. It's, it's big enough for four people, but I'm such a fat fuck that I will eat half that pizza and we'll have a few leftovers. But dude, I'm telling you, Chris, Doug, if you're ever in North Jersey hanging out with Chris, Tavolino in Wallington, the garlic knot crust, it, that, that's just the pizza right now in Bergen County. I second that. That's my number one as well. That's your number one? All right, boys. Well, I have it written down, you know. I got time this weekend, so we'll, we'll see if I hit it. And I'm taking right. Spen out. Spen, Spen's coming into Brooklyn tomorrow. I'm taking him out for dinner for his birthday to this spot called Montesacro in Williamsburg. That is fire Roman-style pizza. Unbelievable. Well, Doug, Doug, you got any uh, Brooklyn recommendations? I know you've been. I mean, I haven't been to that place that I'm aware of. I mean, I love Lucali's. It's Beyonce and Jay-Z's favorite spot. So, I mean, you got to love it too. I like Monty's. I'm biased. It's like right around the corner from me in Guanas. 
uh, Juliana's, which is related to, um, yeah, I've been to Juliana's. I forget what it's called right now. I had a weird, interesting, um, I was like avocado or gu- no guac types. What's the on one? It. We were talking about this. The other it, it's, it's all family. There's so many family pizzerias. I mean, like house of pizza and calzone, like their calzones are massive. So it's not even just about the pizza over there. Um, there's so many different places uh, for Nino's. You go for the view and you get these big personal pies. And when you're talking about the honey, I forgot what place it has it. Honey on pizza is so good. Yes. Sweet pizza works. And I'm not talking about CC's. You get that dessert pizza. <laughs> like I'm talking about like a real delicacy without turning it into actual dessert. Well, you guys well, actually want pizza. The best option I have right now is Domino's. Like, don't you know, do that wait wait, wait domino's wait. is like you're desperate to enjoy it it's like oh i miss this what's it like and then your next day your stomach's dead yeah. don't blow your load on domino's uh doug the other thing I, you said sweet on pizza mike's hot chili honey is like one of the most popular condiments now in brooklyn and north jersey it's hot it's sweet it goes great on pizza that sounds like a real ad <laughs> we're sponsored we are, by we are not sponsored <laughs> um, get 10 percent off your next order Lou Cali is on my like. I need to go there before I die list. It's, right. it's pricey, but it, it is Dude, it is good. If it's good pizza, I'll spend a hundred dollars on a pot. I don't care, and I'm not a rich man. I, I will just I will spend money for quality. That's just just how I am, especially when it comes to pizza. All right, that does it for this bonus segment. Chris, thank you for sticking around doing the top five pizzas. Doug, thank you for giving us some insight on the Brooklyn pizza scene. Nick, I don't really want to thank you for anything tonight. And, wasn't my uh, finest. Wasn't my finest night. Definitely wasn't your finest, and and that does it. So, guys, thanks for jumping on. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, man. Very good. Keep eating pizza. Great meeting you guys. Sure.